going, everybody? This is The Burndown. I'm Justin. I'm Eric. Today's guest, very special guest for you. He is an entrepreneur, a small business owner, an investor, a motivational speaker. Not only that, he's a husband, a father of soon-to-be four champions, CEO of Franchise Investments. You know this man on Instagram as the Michael Marsh. What's going on, brother? What's up, fellas? How are you doing today? We are doing fantastic. We're blessed. It's a, a beautiful day. Can't beat it. Can't Great. beat it. I'll say it for the third, fourth, fifth time. Another day up six feet is another good day. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Love Amen to, to that. So thank you for your time, man. We appreciate you coming on. You know, we kind of it's, it's honor. It's been uh, it was pretty fast. We just kind of spoke to you on Instagram a few weeks ago, maybe even a week ago, and you seem like a very interesting guy, someone who we wanted to speak to and kind of get to know a little bit more. And uh, we're gonna do just that. But before we do. We got to do what we do all the time. And what's that? We got to light up a cigar. We got to pour ourselves a drink. Let's go. Now, I don't know if you'll be smoking a cigar, but I think you'll be drinking something. Is that correct? Oh! Let's go. I can't, I can't pass up a good time, fellas. Oh, hey. so he is smoking. Let's oh, go. let's go. What do you got? Yes, what are you sir. smoking on? Uh, AVO Classic number two. Nice. Oh, that's a great Good stick. choice. That stick, yep. I believe, is actually in our sampler. We have a sampler with a, a company called CigarAndPipes.com. And this is not a shout out to them. This just happens to be that that cigar is in the sampler, the Burn Down Elite sampler. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Quality stick. Um, I fell in love with it early uh, when my local um, uh, cigar shop recommended it. And I just took the consistency, the taste, everything about it. I just fell in love with it. It quickly became my go-to. Awesome. And, and what are you uh, pairing it with? Uh, some Woodford Reserve. Ooh, yeah, actually, actually, this is the double oak. Ooh. Nice. That's and, that's okay. a, and that's a healthy pour right yeah. there. <laughs> healthy. That's a healthy pour. That ain't a little bitch pour. That's a man's pour right there. <laughs> A wise man once told me anything worth doing is worth doing in excess. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, I love it. it. That's, That's funny because I remind like whenever my stepdad loves bourbon as well, and every time he gets a glass of bourbon, it's to the top. It's to the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my so, kind of guy. So we got we're drinking on we're drinking on a little something a little French. We got a little um, cognac. So this is Camus VSOP single estate. Um, I got this a couple of weeks ago. Something a little sweet with a little cigar. And uh, I don't like think it. Justin has ever drank this before, but it's some good stuff. I'm not sure if you have. But do you like cognac? I do. I actually have, have a, a, a funny story to um, to tell you guys. But we'll get to that later in the podcast that deals with cognac specifically. Oh, perfect. Ooh, let's go. I'm I love, excited to hear that because I love, I love cognac with, uh, with cigars. I do like the sweet and the spicy. You know, mm -hmm. it, it pairs well with cigars. Um, so I'm interested to try that. What we're smoking is, I actually saw on your Instagram, you had smoked a La Polina, Nicaragua, Connecticut mm -hmm. on your Instagram. I don't remember when, but I was scrolling through. I'm like, all right, he's got to have a cigar in here. He's got to have a cigar. <laughs> that was the first one I saw. I'm like, I think that's a La Polina, and I think I have one. So I looked it up, and I got a La Polina in the humidor. He's got one. So I'm soaking the La Polina Silver Label. This is the Toro. I think it's a six and a half by 52. It's actually a pretty big Toro, but... I'm smoking the La Polino because of you, my friend. I uh, wish. I wish I did my homework like that. I don't. Have, <laughs> I do have them in my humidor, but I didn't pick it out. I have the uh, the Casa Cuevas, Casa Cuevas Edición Limitada. It's like a Lionsdale, little skinny little guy, but uh, it's a good cigar for sure. 
It looks it looks interesting. I do have a uh, several cigars on my uh, main feed, but I have a highlight button labeled cigars. I probably have. I think I'm if I haven't already, I'm fixing to turn the page on that, which is a hundred a hundred um, slides per per highlight. So I, I at least have a hundred sticks on there, and I usually usually try to document it throughout the process. We gotta check. I like. I have to check a hundred. Yeah. I yeah, like that. That's a good amount. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's so, about a quarter of, of, of what I actually smoke. But you know, when you when everything's just perfectly, like, oh, let me snap a pick real quick. Yeah. Of oh course. yeah. Well, you got to keep it limited, just in just in case your health insurance yeah. finds your page. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. I only smoke a hundred. Really, I smoke Pump like five hundred. Casually. A hundred over like a year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so we're let's um so. Let's cut these. Mm-hmm. Let's like these. Let's pour ourselves a drink so that we can get into this interview. Let's go, man. So we'll be let's right go. back. Let's do it. So let's cut them up. So we, right. we back. We back. We back in business. Okay. Mike's, well, let's first uh, let's first cheers. Absolutely, that's a good to Mister Michael Marsh here for joining us on the Burndown. Let's raise our glasses to you, sir. Thank you very much for joining. Salute. us. Appreciate your time and coming on here, man. Honor is an honor. Thank you, guys. Ooh, daddy. Gotta let it, let it marinate in the palate Ooh. a little bit. Ooh, I like that. So, first question we want to ask you. You know, we're pretty new to you. I'm sure, you know, people listening and watching want to know who who is Michael Marsh? What's your story? You want to hear the rags to riches. You know, we want to hear the good stuff. So kind of give us a little bit of background, who you are, where you came from and where you are today. Sure. Absolutely. I'll, I'll try to keep it uh, short and sweet. Give you guys the Cliff Notes version because uh, Lord knows it would be a month of Sundays trying to explain my life, uh, my first 30 some years. <laughs> but um, So I, I grew up in a small town here in uh, North Carolina, uh, born and raised. I was born in Asheboro, actually uh, moved to Random, which is the neighboring city over. Uh, you know, we were definitely low income. Um, you know, when I was, uh, my mother had me when she was 17. I actually, funny story, I actually watched her graduate high school um i was i was yeah about six months old yep um and her uh her and my dad were together uh that lasted for about two years they got a divorce and um learned a lot from growing up in a family that was split up with with a stepdad stepmom stuff like that um i actually became really close to my grandmother she helped raise me it was my great grandmother too on top of that so um i had a lot of massively influential women in my life and i do accredit that to um to a lot of the attributes that I have, uh, to be able to, to, I feel like connect and communicate better. I really do believe that, um, you know, we, we all lack in certain areas, uh, so we can always find a mentor of some, some sort. It doesn't have to be someone of massive financial value. It could just have value in one area of life that you need to change. And I definitely consider, uh, my great grandmother, a mentor of mine because she taught me a lot of lessons that really didn't click until I was older until I definitely had my own family. So, uh, we, we, we were raised, I don't want to say poor. I just feel like everyone says poor, poor is a relative statement, right? We were raised, we were on, um, we was in section eight housing, uh, food stamps, stuff like that, but it was normal to us. Uh, the house that I was raised in for the majority of my life was my great grandmother's house. Um, 
over a hundred years old skeleton keys. And we actually used to heat the whole entire house with these, with the stove, we'd cut the stove on at night and it would heat the entire house. Uh, so, but that was normal to a kid. If you, you know, what you grow up in is normal. There's, you don't know the difference between success and poverty. You don't know the difference between, you know, haves and haves nots. Mm-hmm. You just live and everything is, is what it's supposed to be. So I grew up in that life and I believe that's a huge, huge, uh, intricate detail on most people nowadays, uh, how they grow up and the paradigm that's bestowed upon them. Um, a lot of times isn't even their own. So what it is, it's, it's a cumulative, uh, pretty much ball of information from their local friends, families, pastors, teachers, everything from their limited circle in their limited little area of their world in, in their limited little town. So we have this grand scheme of things that we think about. We think the world is basically the same as we see it through our eyes, not realizing that our perception and our perspective is so entirely just minuscule that it's just unreal. So whenever I started growing up and I realized that I was poor, (laughs) when I realized I'm like, man, I would love to change my life. There's people out there who don't have to grow up miserable. There's people out there who don't have to grow up uh, and, and, and struggle and do this and do that. I want to live a life of significance and abundance. I want to live a life of not having to worry about the price of things. Uh, and one day I will. So I always said I'd be a millionaire as a kid growing up. You can ask anyone in my family. I said, Michael, I didn't even know what a millionaire was. I just knew that it was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my life progressed. Uh, I was a three sport athlete in high school. Um, I was, uh, president and secretary of the history club. I was a history nut. Still am. Um, I was, uh, AB on roll through school. I had a 3.6 GPA, uh, nothing stellar. School really didn't intrigue me. Sports did sports and girls. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so I played <laughs> Sounds sports about right. and I dated girls <laughs> and, um, I was lucky enough to be able to play college football. I actually, um, I actually walked on the team at Appalachian State University, played three years up there, um, won a few championship rings, had a lot of great memories. um, And that's actually where I first come in contact with my first cigar. Um, Love it. I know you guys were curious about my first cigar. I know you had had, uh, asked about that. And it was actually a Monte Cristo number two. Wow. My first cigar. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever was uh introduced to had no clue how good it was how bad it was didn't know anything about it but i did know that i was attracted to the the way it looked the way it made me feel and the guy that was smoking it uh smoking his i was like man he's cool (laughs) (laughs) so i was like i want to be that cool as well so that kind of that was the actual actual light uh, under my fire for my passion for cigars especially at such a early age, because you guys know most of the time in, in this world, in this industry, the, the cigar uh, consumer is a lot older. Absolutely. So, yeah. so you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a, um, I don't want to say a fish out of water experience, but I love being around people of value. And I believe that value in the term, in the word is life experiences. And if, if a man can smoke a cigar then he's he's took his time and he has developed patience and he has cultivated a skill because it truly is a skill and a, and a 
on art form. If he can do that, then that man has also accomplished other great things in life. And I want to know what they are. It's great and respect. it's just Absolutely. really good to be around people. It's really good to be around people. So I joined a um, cigar lounge locally to, to me when I got out of college, uh, moved back home. And there was this guy, his name was uh, Philip Siegel. Now, Philip Siegel III um, was the first I walked in. I was, I was a rook. I was green. I walked in and I just knew that I belonged here. Everything felt good about the location. Everything made me feel like, you know what? This is old money. This is sophistication. This is class. These are the people that I want to be like and hang around with. Yes. So I walked in as a young, a young green, green thumb. I, it was fresh out of college, you know, hat backwards, cut off t-shirt. <laughs> and I walk in and the guy, he could have easily turned his nose up to me. He could have easily treated me like this guy don't know nothing. He's, he, he, he's a passerby or he just, you know, but he didn't. And it stuck with me and I, and I definitely accumulate my love for cigars and my passion and the growth and knowledge from that man right there, because he took his time and he's a very, very wealthy man, very wealthy man, very well known in the industry. Uh, he took his time with a very young, basically for lack of better words, punk, a little <laughs> punk that walked in off the street and he, and he just, he treated me like I was his best friend. He treated me like I was a, CE, a CEO of a company um, before I ever was one. And, and that stuck with me. And that meant so much to me. I actually purchased um, two autographed memorabilia, which is another thing that I, that I collect. You can't really see in my room. It's a little dark in here, but I collect autographed memorabilia and I bought my first two pieces from him. They were two signed ACC uh, basketball jerseys from two different schools. And I still have them hanging up in my office today. But, um, Moving forward from there, that's where I first fell in love with the uh, actually uh, the art and the camaraderie and the the uh, brotherhood that surrounds the industry, surrounds the art form, surrounds uh, the culture. And we went from there. So uh, I, I was in my mind, I was a buku millionaire uh, before I ever made a, a dime. I was smoking cigars and you couldn't tell me nothing. Uh, but my bank account was was very, very low. So, so I was very, very, very selective with how many cigars I smoked, when I smoked them, and what quality of cigars that I smoked. Um, so uh, I actually started off as a store manager at GNC when I was fresh out of college. And I was working there, um, which kind of fit my persona. Uh, I, I quickly, after I got out of college football, I started doing MMA. Um, I was five and zero during my tenure in MMA. I was five and zero with five knockouts. Wow. Uh, my fastest fight ever was twenty six seconds in the first round. Not the guy out in the first round. Uh, oh, my yeah, my my stand up coach was a kickboxing. He, he uh, kickboxed for Team USA, and his uh, mentor uh, was Ronnie Copeland. He was a world champion um, kickboxer. Loved kickboxing. Loved striking. I do not have the body for it. I have T-Rex arms. I'm only about 5'10", 5'11", but it was just very primal for me. Very gentleman, very just badass for lack right. of a better word. Right. Man shit, man shit. Man shit, man shit. Like smoking stuggies, right? Man shit. Yeah, like that yeah. full glass of bourbon. Man shit. Man shit. <laughs> so not going to do that in 26 seconds. What was that like? What was... Was it like a knee to the face? It's funny you say that because uh, my my kickboxing coach, who was also a mentor in that area of my life, before this happened, he told me, he goes, if, whenever you knock someone out, 
it's better. It's a better feeling than having sex. And I said, ain't no way. <laughs> You're right full of shit. That. But let me tell you fellas something. Even though very short-lived, I would definitely put it up there as, as just a beat on my chest, King Kong of the world feeling and it is absolutely phenomenal you actually get so caught up your adrenaline's pumping you're 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 in a fight or flight uh scenario you're defending yourself it's literally man versus man there's nothing in between you guys and you know you do everything that you're taught to do and then when you connect i connected with the right and just rock that head and he drops down gumby like gumby like <laughs> knee buckler you feel you feel invincible, man. You feel invincible. I definitely have heard that before. I've definitely heard someone else say it before that knocking somebody out. Maybe it was Mike Tyson or somebody, but uh, <laughs> he says that knocking. No, I think what it might have been Mike Tyson on Joe Rogan. Uh, I think he was saying something like knocking someone out gives him like a rock hard, you know, like <laughs> party downstairs. And Joe Rogan's like, "You're sick, bro. You're a sick freak." Well, I, that's what made him the deadliest man on the planet oh at one God, point, right? I can, I can definitely understand. He was that. a mentor of mine too. I, growing up, Iron Mike, like it was, he was the man. Still is. See, I like, I like how you said um, a mentor doesn't have to be somebody that is of financial mm -hmm. success. You know, a, a financial mogul. It doesn't have to be that. A mentor is anybody that has expertise in a certain area that you would love to learn from or take advice from, mm -hmm. right? You had said that you had um, your, your great-grandmother was a mentor in handling, you know, relationships with, with women and how to treat women, and your, your grandmother mentored you in that. This guy didn't mentor you. He mentored you in cigars to teach you how to, you know, how to uh, smoke cigars. Yeah. And, and there's different mentors for different areas of life. And I think that's a, that's a great thing is that just, Everybody thinks mentor, oh, your mentor is Gotta be teaching rich. you how to be rich. No, 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 no. Right. Mentor is just teaching Life you. Life experiences. Yeah, exactly. Teaching you something in whatever area you're trying to learn from. Value. Absolutely. Value. That's a key thing. And also, you said that when you walked into the cigar lounge, this is a great thing about cigar lounge and just the cigar community in general, and we've talked about this plenty of times, is that the camaraderie and the friendliness of the cigar community, like you said, you walked in looking like a punk. And yeah. this guy said, "Not nah, sit down right here. Let's have a conversation. Let me learn you real quick. And that's exactly how it is. No matter who you, who you are, no matter what walk of life you come from, if you go to a cigar lounge, it's friendly. Sit yeah. down, have a conversation with anybody. And if you don't have that experience, if you do go into a cigar lounge and it, it, you do deal with someone who's kind of an asshole, you're, it's just one bad apple out of the hundred people that go there. So just try somebody else and right. you'll find someone else good. But it's a great absolutely. perspective. Um, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. If, if I could... If I could um, reach out to any of any, any of you guys viewers if you have a someone a young guy or or just regardless if you have someone who's just wanted to partake in in, in a cigar and just has questions you know the industry itself the 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 vibe that it gives off the the sophistication the class the masculinity that smoking a cigar gives off sometimes can be mistaken as very uh, intimidating. Mm -hmm. But if I can give you guys, your, your listeners, any words of advice, reach out. Because like you guys said, it's one of the most, most inviting atmospheres uh, of quality men and gentlemen. And I like to call them so, something we learned during the MDK project with Pedro Schooling. He, he says, he, he says, a savage servant, right? I'm a savage servant. And it's just so badass. And I feel like 
this is part of being a savage servant. Um, you know, you may look hard. You may come across as hard, like a man, right? You may come across as tough, but in the end, you're adding value to someone's life. So don't be scared, guys, to co go into your local um, uh, humidor, go into your local cigar shop and ask questions mm -hmm. because a lot of times we, we get scared because we think they're going to judge us. Oh, they're going to, they're going to act like they're going to treat me like I don't know anything and I'm embarrassed. I'm nervous. Everyone doesn't know anything in the beginning. Like you can Google all you want, but until you actually have hands on whatever you're trying to partake in, you're green. And the best way to get knowledge about a subject is to partake in it mm -hmm. and ask the people who are already doing what you want to do. And that doesn't, uh, that doesn't take away from this industry any at all. You need, you, you need to apply that in your life at that point in time. So guys, if you really want to learn, just ask because it's a great community. I'm glad, oh, yeah. you, I'm glad you said that because we, we put out a recent video and it was five things for, you know, cigar enthusiasts. And the first thing that we said was don't be afraid to ask questions and basically reiterating everything that you said. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie, someone who's never even seen or smoked a cigar. Don't be afraid to ask questions because people who are in the local tobacconist, the local uh, lounges, they're always willing to help. And that's the beauty of a cigar, like you you know, so so perfectly said. And it's like uh it's it goes with everything too, is people that are in the industry that you're trying to learn it's obviously a passion for them, right? If, if it's a passion, they enjoy talking about their passion. So if mm -hmm. you're trying to get into cigars, if you're trying to get into investing, into real estate, into um, anything, just pick one, pick an industry, wine, anything. If you find somebody who's passionate about it and ask them questions, they love yeah. to talk about their passion. So they will talk to you all day about it. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Sometimes um, people will ask me specific questions about things that I'm very passionate about, and I can tell when I lose them. <laughs> like, I'm, so I'm so passionate. I'll, I'll in-depth talk to them. I'm like, yeah, and this, right, and this, and this, and then this right here, because we've been there. We've experienced these things and these these connections with whatever industry it may be, and we're so passionate about it because we've been there, and we know that we can add value to someone. And then you can see the the blank stare yep. go, and we're like, okay, time to wrap this combo up. <laughs> yeah, it happens many times. Someone asks you a question, and you give them an in-depth answer or, or some kind of story, and they're like, oh, uh, okay, uh, all right, all right. And you're like, all right, you're way over, I'm way over here. <laughs> right. Let's, let's pick it back up and change the subject because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pet peeve of mine. That's one other reason why I enjoy uh, someone who can smoke cigars because like you guys know, like, you know, guys like us, you don't smoke a cigar quickly, right? You don't rush through it and hurry up and get to the end. Yes. You take your time. You have patience. You enjoy the stick. If someone can do that, they can enjoy a conversation. So many times we as people, we're ready to jump in a conversation so quickly and we don't even listen to our counterpart and what they're trying to convey to us. That's why people talk, but no one communicates, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's, that's what it is. People talk, but no one communicates because we're ready to jump in at a moment's notice before the other person gets finished talking. We already know what we're thinking of instead of receiving what they're telling us. We're, we're already thinking, what can I say next? Or listen to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I enjoy that about, about yeah. a good cigar. Yeah, I think that um, that's one of the reasons why I say that God gave you two ears and one mouth is you should be listening more than you're talking in a conversation. Yeah, and definitely. not even just – and there's a difference between listening 
and then actually hearing what the person is saying, active listening. Are you not just thinking about what you're going to ask next? Are you listening to what they're saying and then responding to what they're telling you? Because a lot of people, they hear one snippet of your conversation and they latch onto that. And then they're just thinking about what you're saying two minutes ago. And they're not even listening to what you're still saying. And then they, and they just completely miss the topic. And that's the main difference between listening and active listening. You're actually engaging kind of repeating what they're saying, understanding what they're saying, acknowledging what they're saying. And there's a lot of people that just do a lot of this and, and none of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's a crazy, a crazy especially I, I, I agree. I think also, and I'll share this, this little tidbit with you guys, just because I enjoy sharing value uh, and hopefully it'll help one of your listeners or even you guys. Um, cause, cause that, that communication aspect, like you said, is perfect. It's something like people hear, they don't listen and the act of listening so sometimes we can even get caught up in that we're, we're human, right? I, I I will raise my hand as the first person to tell you I fail and I fail daily. But being proactively aware that you fail and fail daily is where the growth happens, where the 1% change happens and where a life of significance gets cultivated versus a life of mediocrity. And so what thing, one thing that I do that helps me in my relationship with my wife, because no relationship, regardless of what social media and Instagram shows you, is hashtag goals, because I guarantee you those people are arguing and cussing at each other when that camera's off. I promise you. Yeah. They're just, it's normal. It's normal, right? But here's the difference, okay? We have structures set in place, right? It's a really big ego trap. We have structures set in place that whenever I'm talking to my wife and she's talking to me and I'm talking to her, but she doesn't listen or, or, or so to me, she's not receiving my message or I'm not receiving what she's trying to convey to me. Even though I hear her, we have these code words, basically like a trigger word. And she says, like, like if she drops that on me, I stop. I'm like, all right, take a deep breath, step back mm-hmm. and actively listen to what she's trying to tell me because I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. And subsequently for her as well. And we have realized that it not only helps our relationship, but it helps us as parents um, in our uh, communication skills with our kids, because a lot of times we run on autopilot, we run on programs and we don't realize that we're, we literally are just spewing out what we have. Our data processing center has stored in and we're just spewing it out in reaction. And I like to call, call the difference between someone uh, who reacts and someone who proacts the difference. So mm. proact is I can choose how to act instead of whenever someone, let's just say someone yells at you, your first instinct, which is a reaction is to get mad or say something or uh, be defensive. When they proact, you, you choose how to proact, you stop, you process that information and then you can intelligently respond. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference tremendously in communication. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like where you were talking about before is where growing up as a kid, we are basically and you said you said programmed based Mm -hmm. on what our environment is. And people don't realize or a lot of people don't realize that as they get get older, those programs are embedded into their brain and into their software as human Mm -hmm. beings growing up. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to. If you're unaware, it's difficult to change those programs. So when something happens to you, they just react instantly instead of understanding like, okay, maybe my software is a little bit wrong or skewed because of (laughs) previous experiences and I need to change that. And I think that you had also said something too, where a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff just comes out without actually thinking about what you're saying. 
And I am a firm believer that what goes in here is what comes out here. Or what comes what goes in here comes out here. So whatever you're mm. listening to and watching or reading nonstop is what's gonna come out mm. of your mouth because that's what you're mm. programming into your brain. So we had talked about it, we had posted an episode or it's soon to be coming where reading is very important because what you put into your brain is what's gonna come out of your mouth. So if you're putting in garbage, it's garbage is gonna come out, right? I think a 100%. big thing I think a big thing also with communicating, especially with a significant other, is like ego. Like you, you hate when your ego gets bruised. You know what I mean? Like when you <laughs> as get, a man, especially right when you get yelled at by your girlfriend, your wife, whoever, it freaking you're like, you talk to me like that. <laughs> and it's and it it takes a lot of awareness, like you said, and kind of reprogramming a way to realize that what's kind of being communicated with you is not. Re- it's kind of more. There's more to the detail. She's not yelling at you for the most part. If the person you know is really cares about you. They're yelling at you because they're trying to communicate with you and not because they want to hurt your feelings. So you have to right. be able to interpret that as something like, all right, like you said, let me pump the brakes. Can we listen first what she's saying? Because I can easily react, say something back, and it's mm-hmm. just going to go into down a rabbit hole. So I can, oh, yeah. I, can under, I can completely understand because it took me a while to, to kind of pull back my ego a little bit and, and not open up to listen because I grew up a certain way. I was like, well, this is not working. This is not how people communicate. I got to be able to listen more as opposed to spewing more out. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I completely agree because my relationship now with my fiance is way different than what it was a few years ago. Because a few years ago, it used to be back and forth, yelling and yelling. And I was like, this is not working out. We both care about each other. We both want want good for each other. You know, we got to both change the way we t- communicate and we both communication and it's the key it's the key to finances is good mm-hmm. you know love life is good but if you can't communicate man you gotta oh, yeah. you're for a rude awakening man you're and it's also awakening. it's also um uh a lot of times in you know whatever situation in relationships or even you know we're both in sales so when you're talking to a customer if you're talking to somebody yeah a lot of times is the reason that they are frustrated or or angry or whatever has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with maybe they had a bad day. Maybe something just happened to them. Maybe they got some bad news. And now you are the uh, the person that they're basically just venting up. to. So it's got nothing to do with you. Like you didn't do anything. So it doesn't make sense for you to just, you have to understand that. Take a step back. All right, they're not mad at me. Something might have happened. They might have had yeah. a bad day. Let me just receive this information, calmly respond, and it's fine. But if you, like you said, react to their level of frustration mm-hmm. and now you get frustrated, then it's just going to keep escalating and nothing. <laughs> it's not going to be good. It's great. I mean, yeah. you know, daytime, daytime, Jerry Springer, Maury shows that, that is the epitome of that they're just, people are just yelling at each other just for the entertainment. But that's how, that's how it really is. If you don't really want to yeah. understand how the other person's feeling and communicate, that's how it's always going to be. And that's what I always think about you. If you don't want to listen, it's just going to be another Jerry Springer show where everyone's yelling at each other and want to hit somebody. <laughs> So, Absolutely. so Absolutely. let me, so let's ask, let me ask you this. So you said that you got out of college, you went to uh, your manager at GNC, right? right. And I want to go from there into how did you get into the entrepreneur world? Cause you are a big entrepreneur, whether it be, you know, your CEO of uh, invest of uh, franchise investments. How did you get into, how did you go from manager GNC to millionaire? How, where, where, take, tell us that story. Well, um, okay. So, uh, obviously 
everything that you learn and, and it's part of the rags to riches uh podcast and actually life and I, I'll, I'll cultivate that into um in this story as well uh I was at GNC and, and it, it was just a desire for more. Um, Napoleon Hill says there's, says there's one thing for there's no cure for in life. And that is the universal lack of ambition. And <laughs> some people, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. And, and for someone who's so ambitious, when you do that, that was a hurdle for me to have to cross. So I, I quickly realized that there were people in my life that I loved and cared about and genuinely loved and cared about myself um, that just could not be in my life because they were not adding to the uh, to the betterment of my life, and they were okay with my mediocrity because it made them comfortable as well. So I'm sitting here at GNC as a store manager. I mean, I'm making thirty thousand dollars a year uh, for for my area. It's it's not horrible, but it's for sure not where you want to be. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm making 30, 30, some 32, 33,000 dollars a year, depending on commission uh, bonus. And I was selling my ass off. I was Jack 3D and C4 this, and you got to get this. And let me give you this add on. And, and, you know, people have always said, Michael, you can sell salt to a slug, uh, you know, ice to an igloo, uh, which is great. And if it, it, it's a good ego boost when someone tells you that, but you realize later in life when you start adding value to people that, I don't like selling people nothing. I like I like uh, adding value to their life. And if they see that value that I add to their life and they make a financial decision to act upon that, then so be it. But if I have to sell you on something, uh, the old saying goes, uh, a person uh, convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. You can give somebody who's overweight a ton of fucking supplements, okay? And they can go home because you made them feel like they have to take it. And they get home and you didn't connect with them on, on a on a, a deeper level and you didn't make them feel like they, they actually had an opportunity and they were overwhelmed and they bought it on an impulse buy. That's stuff is going to sit there they're not going to get any value out of it and now they have a negative connotation between them and uh the health industry as a whole just from one experience just from one experience so that's why i hated selling people um even though i was very good at it so uh i, I realized real quick i made a the dumb decision i say dumb everything happens for a reason uh a buddy of mine who was actually fighting with me he was a muay thai expert and he had joined a network marketing. Well, I had no clue what network marketing was, but I knew I wanted to make a lot of money. And he was wearing Louis Vuitton shoes. So I thought to myself, hey, whatever you're doing, I for sure can do it. Teach me your ways. Well, I joined this network marketing. It was a skincare. No kidding. Skincare. I was a fighter. I got tattoos everywhere, bodybuilder, <laughs> MMA, and I was selling skincare. And so, so I was doing these in-home parties, man. I was grinding. I was busting my tail. I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week on the side of my of my uh, my job at, at, at um, GNC. Um, and my first real big check came in. I made three thousand dollars in one week. And I thought to myself, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm it. This is it. This is cake. Right. <laughs> this is every 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 I guess. So, so if you don't know about money, obviously these are, these are, you think $3,000 is a lot of money to make in a week and don't get me wrong. You know, it, it's not shabby, uh, you know, but it, but it damn sure ain't going to pay your mortgage forever. Yeah, and compared to your 30 you. grand, it was, it was all the money in the right. world. So, so I, met, I, I took a leap. I also did a ton, a ton, a ton of self, self growth, personal growth, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, I always tell people two things. Number one, 
I will never do network marketing again. Um, I hate it. It gave me the worst taste in my mouth ever because of a bad experience. But number two, I love network marketing so much because it's the only reason why my mindset changed to be able to have more and achieve more. So I knew this is a funny thing that God does. Sometimes when you're too stubborn to make a move for yourself, he'll put you in a situation until you learn what you need to learn. And then you, and then you'll grow out of it. So I had to go through that, that trial and tribulation and turmoil and, and just getting beat down over and over and over and over and the wear and tear and the grind and the negative experience. I had to go through that to learn what I needed to learn to become the man who I needed to be to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve in life. So I tell people that's what that's what my two my two viewpoints on network marketing is. With that being said, I quit my job at GNC and I joined full time. I was working my ass off. I was on the road. I was driving a Honda Civic. I was driving a <laughs> I was driving a Honda Civic that I paid way too much money for, but I just got it because it was great on gas and I knew that I was going to be traveling a lot, living that influencer lifestyle this was about 2012 it's about 2010 2012 somewhere in there uh maybe 2000 yeah 2012 11 12 and i it was just getting started and everyone's like oh you need to lifestyle you need to lifestyle do the things that others can't do they eat it up they love it well hell i started doing that and i realized real quick i'm like man i don't have any money to to live this lifestyle like <laughs> like i'm lifestyling and i'm broke as shit i am i am so fake like this is just it is, is asinine to me um so I was like half the people on instagram <laughs> i know i know i know and, and that's what i try to I'm trying to speak to to try to bridge that gap and i'll hit that a little bit later with my rags to riches but uh so so i'm I'm, I'm, I'm grinding every day, personal development. I'm reading, I'm doing um, motivational uh, speaking at events in front of the crowd gets bigger every week, a hundred, 200, 3,000, a thousand. I'm speaking in front of these people, you know, I'm grinding. I'm the poster poster boy for, for this little area. You know, I'm making $3,000 checks, which by the way, that was very few and far between most of them were between two to 400 on the regular, which <laughs> I'm telling you ain't paying the bills Yeah, uh, much, much because you're going to get 10 at the end. So you don't have to get your tax done on that um anyways so i'm sitting here doing that and i run into uh, a roadblock i run into a roadblock uh there this had to happen uh there was some corruption in the in the industry or excuse me in that specific uh business i won't name their name but uh some words were said some higher up people uh were connected to my instant line and you know, one phone call, all of a sudden, all of my income's gone. All of a sudden, all the people that I brought into this organization, gone. All the money that I was making, uh, what little bit it was, um, uh, recurring checks weekly, gone. And I was literally out on the street. Um, so I had no money. Uh, I was in debt and I had no source of income. So this was at the middle of 2013. I'm, I'm currently bouncing around uh, from my dad's house to my, my, my best friend at the time, 
sleeping on blow-up mattresses, sleeping on couches, hiding my a Honda Civic from the repo man because it, it was past due. Um, and then I realized real quick, I said, I've got to do something. You know, uh, unfortunately, most people only make a decision when their back's against the wall. They got nothing to lose. That's why people, they don't make a decision when on their way down to change their life. They wait till their head bounces off the, off the concrete, which let me tell you, that is not the right thing to do. You need to act and act quickly. But I digress. So uh, I hit the concrete. I'm hiding my car from the repo, man. And I had this brilliant idea. I said, you know, I reached out to my best friend at the time. I said, listen. I've got a credit card that I just applied for. This is how crazy it, it is, right? I had no income. I just told the guy, I was like, yeah, I make 50000 a year. The guy was like, okay, you're approved for ten grand. i am like, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Sends me a credit card, right? Sends me a credit card. Uh, and I'm young, right? I'm not, I don't have much guidance at the time. Um, you know, uh, I grew up with my great grandmother and she, she's very old. So I'm out, I'm a young, I'm young, everything I'm learning, I'm learning the hard way. I'm falling on my ass. I'm falling on my face. I'm getting up and realizing, man, that was, that was stupid. Don't do that shit again. Uh, you know, the hard way. And so I get this credit card and little did I know, because I was a young, dumb, dumb kid. If you borrowed money on that interest-free credit card, that you'll get hit with interest, not just regular interest, 24% interest. <laughs> that cash advance interest. <laughs> so I hit that cash advance for seven G's because I wanted to start a business with my buddy. We wanted to start a bingo parlor because he had dealt with some bingo stores up in Virginia Beach a few years back that was making bank. And so we looked into it and there was two types of bingos that come out. There was uh, beach bingo where you can pay out $10 per, per win. And then there was nonprofit bingo that you had to actually partner up with a nonprofit. Well, we didn't know a nonprofit. So we just opened up a, a beach bingo. And the way we got around it is we offered multiple games on one, one card. So we'd pay out 40, 50, 60 bucks. Well, we grew that thing. We, we used that money. We bought daubers. We rented a location. Uh, we bought, uh, cards we in, we uh advertise on facebook you know we, we we passed out flyers across the whole town i mean just really grassroots grinding and we our first our first uh open house we had like 15 20 people uh obviously we didn't make much money at that time but in less than a month and a half we had grew that uh that weekly following that weekly uh two times a week it would come over 150 people was coming so we were making money and then bam the second thing hits me right in the mouth right like like bad things happen to good people so if a bad thing happens to you just say hey what is this trying to teach me and let's get our ass in gear mm -hmm. to get over it because the quicker we can get over it the faster we can get to where we need to go but most people get they get smashed in the mouth and they quit yeah. So this is the second time I got smashed in the mouth. Bam. Uh, a nonprofit opens up in the same city. A nonprofit opens up in the same city. They're paying out three, four, five grand a night. Uh, we would go from we go from 150 clientele base to zero. Dang. We had the doors open. No one showed up. Was it no some? What, let me ask you this. Was it a person that was it was probably somebody that came to your. I guarantee it. Who had they're like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Yep who had a connection with a nonprofit mm -hmm. and, and they structured it right. And then bam, I mean, where would you go? Would you go somewhere you can make 50 bucks or 2000? Yeah. Right. Makes and sense. that's what happened. So now <laughs> but it's good I that it happened, right? Cause it leads you into the next part. Leads me into the next part. I have all this debt. I have all, I have all this equipment. I have this spot rented out and I have no income <laughs> and I, I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, 
part of his the my my best friend at the time the industry that he was in uh we like to refer in layman's terms as the sweepstakes industry um <laughs> uh, so basically you could come in and you could play these you could play these games for internet time right in, in return for internet time uh you put money on your account and you played that amount of money with the opportunity to make a profit uh it could be wheels it could be boxes where you opened up it could be like a slot machine at the time um, so it was a very new uh, business model in our area, but people were making a lot of money at it. So um, we made a few phone calls. We had we had that location. The guy was calling for his rent. We were two months late at the time because we, we, we ain't got no money, oh. right? <laughs> right. So uh, we get a hold of a guy who's been in the industry, and he he partners up, brings some money in. We we threw together this little business model where it was um, uh, an opportunity and a specific software and it lit like wildfire. Um, and that was the, the, the true spark, I guess you'd say in my career, um, in that first year. So, so 2013, it was, I would say the last three months, 2013, I started making $850 as my percentage cut, uh, that was structured that we structured on, on payback from initial equipment purchase and whatnot. I was structured 830 bucks. So I made 830 bucks every week for the last three months of the year and you couldn't tell me nothing i thought i was rich boys <laughs> i thought i was everybody the extended family got christmas presents i'm not talking about cousins got christmas presents yeah. i was I was, you, I was like oprah at christmas like you get a present <laughs> bro i was just passing them out i was because giving is also something that's near and dear to my heart makes me feel good so i was making this money and from someone who hadn't made that much money before i was i just thought i was on cloud nine well obviously with with, with uh, growth comes opportunities for learning. And the very next year, 2014, that store made 1.5 million. Um, it, it actually just, just took off and, and my life changed. You know, I went from making $30,000 a year as, as, as absolute best to like, I think my, I was a quarter partner at the time. I think mine after everything was about 230,000. I was 26 years old. I was 26 years old making a quarter meal. Um, you know, I, I bought the platinum trucks. I put the lift kits on them, dropping 10 grand. Like I was going places. People was like, are you a baseball player? I was like, nah, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> so I was buying this, buying that, um, you know, but going to the cigar lounge, buying private memberships in the cigar lounge, um, doing all these things. And then the industry, it was, it was a very, very volatile industry still is, um, crashed. It crashed a year later and this lavish lifestyle that I was cultivating um, all of a sudden turned into pretty much hell on earth. And it was a roller coaster. So, so the best way to describe it was the highs are just, ash I mean, you're, 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 you're drinking, you know, you're drinking uh, the top level scotch and smoking stuggies and Louis Vuittons one week. And the next week you're like, Holy shit, I have no money. Um, it, that's how crazy it is. We actually lost, we had a location that, that we got shut down um, because rules changed, legalities changed, uh, local law enforcement didn't like it for, for one reason or another. And we were stuck in the lease. We lost over $200,000 in that lease. Uh, we were just hemorrhaging money. So every dollar that we had made, what little bit I had left, I didn't blow like I was, a, a you know, big timers getting my roll on. I was actually trying to just hemorrhage money to try to pay back, uh, keep that, that, that store afloat. So we didn't get taken to court. Um, another punch right in the mouth, like my third big punch in the mouth. We lost, we lost everything. Like we, we, we lost our house, had to sell the, to sell the truck. Everything was really, really bad. Um, and at the time we actually had gotten, gotten pregnant. 
Um, this was going in the, in the 2000 and, and late 2014. We had just found out we were pregnant almost a week or two after that I had uh, lost everything. Everything got shut down, no income. And so when we lost our house, me and my wife, um, who, who, we, who we weren't married at the time, but we had been together for 10 years, we we moved in. We had to move. This is this very humbling part of my journey. We moved into the spare bedroom of her mom and dad. We lived in a eight by 12 spare bedroom. We got married in the spare bedroom. We had our first child in the spare bedroom while they let us live there rent free while I grinded my ass off to try to start making some money to provide for their daughter. And now their first, firstborn uh, grandchild, which was a, my, my daughter. Um, and after our wedding, we literally, we didn't go on a honeymoon. We came straight back to the, to the in-laws house and went to bed. Like we got a kid, right? Grown up shit. Like, welcome to the real world. Very humbling, very, very humbling. And I'm grateful for that because it taught me a lot of lessons. Um, and I'm grateful for my in-laws. You know, people always have a stigma about in-laws. My in-laws are phenomenal. They're phenomenal. They, they, you know, they, I, we're so grateful that they were in a position to where they could afford to be able to house us and have an extra roof over our head. Never once asked me for a dollar. Every, every business venture I wanted to go on, every potential investment opportunity within reason uh, that her dad had an opportunity to help with two, three thousand dollars here. He tried and he did. Uh, and I always made it a point to pay him back every red penny that I ever borrowed from him. And I'll never forget that. And that's why, you know, I, I'll leave it to the, to the end part of my story and I'll come back to that part as well. But I'll never forget that because when you're, when you're at your lowest, the people who are there to reach their hand out for you to grow, those are the people that you stick with and those people that you, you look out for whenever you're at the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. and so I was moving forward and I started making some money again. We, we made it, we structured a few deals and I actually got to where I started distributing software, which is what I'm currently doing as well. So it's a different, same industry, different venture. I'm distributing software because I've made the connections now because I've been in the industry for so long, five, six years. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm getting a small teeny tiny percentage off of uh, a bunch of locations because I made a website, made, uh, made a catch, uh, a, a, a funnel where people can come to look for their product and I can provide it for a small nominal fee, a percentage based service. Right. And so that's when, when everything started to really change for me. Um, uh, we were struggling at the time we had bought our first house. We, we had, we had had our first baby. Um, uh, we're, we're on our own. We're trying to live the dream. You know, everyone's still, is trying to believe in me, right? They're trying to believe in me as I as I'm telling them, look, just, just don't give up. I mean, please believe in me. I'm telling you, I'm going to make it work. Believe, believe it, believe, believe it, because I believe it. Well, um, I was able to. It was a cigar that I had in my humidor for four years. Uh, it was Davidoff, um, and it was it had a picture of Winston Churchill on it, mm. and it actually said the, the quote said. Um, uh, the future will be kind to me for I intend on writing it. And I told myself, I'm going to leave that in that humidor and it's going to sit there and it's going to cultivate until I make my first million. Well, I was able to smoke that cigar when I turned 29 years old. And I'm very, very, very grateful for that. Um, I made my first million before 30 and I was able to cultivate multiple opportunities to where I have distribution channels and other physical locations that has made cumulatively over $10 million coming in. Um, with that being said, um, this, this past year and this year that we're currently in praise the Lord and heaven above, because, you know, I've been in the gutter. I've been at the absolute bottom of, I've, 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 I've been where people are just now starting out, you know, I'm eight years deep in this industry now. 
Um, this has been my most profitable year in 2020. Um, and in 2020, 2021, me personally, um, hope, I'm hoping to bust one, 1.5 to two this year is my goal personally. Um, wow. so, you know, it. yeah, yeah. I, so I it's love, really, uh, really, I, I love how you, how you kind of brought back. Cause the whole point of our cigar is that we may not have anything in common. We might have a lot in common, but there's one thing and it's a cigar. Mm-hmm. So I love right. how you tied the fact in that. You saw the Davidoff Winston Churchill. You put it on your humidor. You read the quote, and you said, "You know what? That's gonna that's gonna be my that's gonna be my golden ticket out. I'm gonna strive for that." Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that's so cool because it, cigars have like a crazy connection to people like us, like me and you and Justin. And it's just cool to hear your success story from rags to riches. But you know what? A cigar was involved about that, and that mm-hmm. is so freaking cool to me. Oh yeah, I know I love it too because I'm I, there's there's two things that I, I connect to, connect with you on on all <laughs> everything you're saying. I'm just stuttering <laughs> over my words because there's so much that like we have in common, Eric. We all we all have the same mindset, but having the cigar, you said I'm gonna smoke that when something when this happens, right? I have cigars in my humidor right now that have been sitting in there for years now. I have one in there that is a Opus X BBMF. That is sitting in there, and that is the cigar for when I get married. I have a cigar in there that's a Davidoff that's sitting there for when I have a kid. I have a cigar in there for when you make your first meal. I have cigars in there that are sitting there for certain yeah. goals in life, and I I love that. And the second thing I wanted to I wanted to mention was going back to when you mentioned network marketing, and I was nodding my head, nodding my head. And I'm like, dude, this because you had said that you got into network marketing. And you had left the business aspect, but if it wasn't for the network marketing, you wouldn't have developed all the personal growth habits. And 100%. I connect with that so much because I did the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. I was in network marketing. I had done it the same thing. I'm like, I met a guy and he was making a lot of money. I'm like, shit, I'm, I got to do this. I can do this. I'm in sales. I can sell fucking anything. All right. I can sell condoms to a nunnery. All right. I, I, I'm doing it. So I got in just like you did. And I was doing the same thing. And a couple of years later, a few years later, I had gotten out because I didn't like the business side of it. But had it not been for network marketing, I would have not developed the reading habits, the the, per, the affirmations, mm-hmm. the writing down your goals, the mentality. All of that came from network marketing exactly the way that it happened to you. <clears throat> so there's certain yep. things that come into your life that are meant to stay and there's certain things that are meant to teach you something. They're not meant to be there. God doesn't put things in your life to be there permanently. He does for some things, but other things he put, puts there for you to learn from. Yeah. It. So you take what you need from it and then you leave the rest behind. And it, it's uh I have a very similar story. It wasn't network marketing. It was I worked for a third-party marketing and it was I we made an episode called Crazy Sales Stories and it was I was selling and I was going door to door and like the inv- it was the same thing. A young kid, 23, 24 years old, running a, a business, running an office with all young people around. And I'm like, how old are you? He's like, I'm 24. I make this, I make this every single month. And I'm like, I'm like, I dress better than you and I look better than you. And I know I can do this. Like, all right, I'm in. And again, <laughs> it, I was going door to door. I was knocking. I was selling Verizon files to people, but. And it was terrible. I worked six days a week, 12 hours a day. I was door knocking, rain, sleet, hell, snow. But it wasn't for those skill sets. Like you guys said, I didn't really enjoy the business model of it. It sucked. 
But the attributes, the characteristics, the things I learned from going to door knocking, from figuring out different scenarios with people face to face has given me the skills to where I am today um, in, you know, in, a, in a sales world and, being, and trying to be an inspiring entrepreneur. It gives you those, that foundation of saying, I used to go door knocking in fucking 20 degree weather, rain, sleet, hail or snow. If there's something that's harder than that, all right, bring it on because I know I can there's do nothing this. I can't do. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's a we have a very similar oh, yeah. uh, mindset, which is it's, why we have like people having like having people on you, like having man. people on our podcast like you. God works in mysterious ways, though. Crazy, me, right? It's crazy. It's for, for sure. Like attracts like. Like attracts like. Yep. yep. I, I feel like everyone comes into my life for a reason. Every every morning I wake up, one of the things that I do is I I, I do my morning gratitude list. Right, I, I wake I wake up, I I come outside, I, I take deep deep breaths. And I center myself and I just, I close my mind. I close my eyes. I try to center myself and I just start talking about the things that I'm grateful for. And what people don't understand is a lot of times I talk in, in present tense for future events. Absolutely. So I, Absolutely. So I, yeah. So I talk like, you know, I, I say, thank you, Lord, for bringing people into my life that will add value to, to myself and my family who I can return that value to. Thank you so much for opening doors that no man can close. Thank you for the opportunities for the, for the growth and success and value that I can add into someone's life that isn't here yet, but I'm giving you credit for and giving you thanks for it because it already is in my mind. It's done. And so when I say, amen, I'll just say amen. Right. But it's Latin for it is done. Right. Mm -hmm. It is done. So whenever I say amen, I say amen with a purpose because what we just said, it's done. It's oh, done. Absolutely. I believe it. It works. I believe it. It absolutely. Works. It's it's and that's good that you said you speak it in the present tense. And that's uh, yeah. I believe Napoleon Hill talks about that in, uh, in probably pretty much every book that he's written. But talks about speaking your affirmations. It's not I will or I'm going. It's I am. Right. Yep. And that's one thing. All of my affirmations start with I am and then blank. Yeah, blank. If you're if you aspire to be a millionaire, I am a millionaire. I yep. am successful. I am a winner. I am a champion. I am all that. I am. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that from network marketing. And another thing yep. that you're talking about putting value into your life. So there's there's two parts of this. Is One from a book that we read that I mentioned called The Go-Giver. I read it from network marketing. Okay. It was called The Go-Giver. And there's a law of value. It talks about providing more, whatever, trans, whatever deal you're doing. Everything's a transaction, right? It's making sure you provide more value than the payment you're receiving. If you provide more value than whatever payment it is you're receiving, then you'll you'll be successful, whatever mm -hmm. whatever it is you do. And the second part of, again, learned from network marketing, one of the guys was on stage and he had said that don't be so, he, I forgot the, the context, how he led up to it, but he said that um, being a success is not determined, doesn't, being a success is not based on any monetary value. Being a success is how many people are better off because you lived. Yeah. And when he said that, I said, holy Powerful. shit. I said, that is a golden nugget right there. How many people are better off because you walked this earth? Yep. Speak on. I'm like, oh my. OMFG. I said, yeah. that, that hit, that hit to the core. I'm like, if I don't take anything else. So if I take that right there, making sure that other people are better off because you lived. Yep. Value, 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 value. And, and, and I, 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 I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer in I leave people better than I found them. Uh, I always tell people when I start, 
a lot of my employees, right? Whenever I go to hire an employee, I don't do that that much anymore because like you said, in the beginning and guys, if for, for the people who are listening, I put in the work for years upon years in a different field that, that resulted in no reward, right? So the average person would look at that and say, well, I mean, you know, why would you put in time and effort if it, you know, it doesn't work? That's just stupid. I want to get in something that's going to work. That's not how it works. The law of averages works, right, on the effort that you put out. So now, like you said, in the beginning, I was putting in for, I mean, years. I was, I was on the road constantly, three, four, I was missing my family, doing hours upon hours upon hours that nobody wanted to do. No one wanted to, no one seen, right? And I wasn't getting compensated for it. Lord knows I wasn't getting compensated for it. But now, in my eighth, ninth year in the industry and in, in entrepreneurship, I do less physically. I have more time with my family and I make way more money than what it appears that I am actually putting work in for. The same concept that you were talking about, I work less now and I make more money it, because it rolled over, the law of averages, it rolled over from all that energy and effort and, and time and money and, and everything that I put into the game. I just call it the game because it's all inclusive. The money and effort and blood, sweat and tears that I put into the game, I deposited those checks all the time on the, on the regular deposit, 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 never once taking withdrawals. And then eventually you start taking little withdrawals. You start taking little withdrawals. And before you know it, you're not deposited near as much. You have infrastructures in place. You have experience in place. You have connections in place. You have uh, logistics in place that where you can now actually reap the reward of your efforts 10 years ago that you're doing today. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm at right now. Now, granted, I, I, it, there's all levels, right? There's levels to this. There's levels to this shit, boy. So, <laughs> so, so I am, I'm, a, I'm a well aware what I once thought was impressive, 100000 a year. I made that in one month. And, and let me tell you, I don't feel any different. You know, so anybody out there who, 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 who thinks that, man, if I could just get there, I know I will feel. Let me go ahead and tell you. How you feel right now is how you will feel when you make that monetary goal. Now, it may not be how you feel for 15 minutes after you make that monetary goal, but give it a little bit and you'll, you'll look at making $100,000 a month as a normal month. Mm. And before that mindset of a broke, I mean, poor, poverty-minded, negative money-influenced uh, uh, kid growing up, hundred grand in a year, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was set. I was set. And now I make a hundred grand a month and it's like, well, what's the next move? Mm -hmm. I want to make a hundred grand a week. Yeah. Yeah. Money, do money doesn't, same. somebody said this to me, money doesn't change people. It merely amplifies what's already there. Yeah. yeah. So if yep. you are a kind hearted, generous person and you make a lot of money, now you can be even more generous to people. But if you're an asshole and you're a dick. And then now you make a million, you're just going to be a bigger dick. Yeah. I, I, and I, I hear what you say about, it's like, you know, you make, you hit that monetary goal of what you want to get and you're like, all right, on to the next. Cause I, I feel, I feel you completely on that because I, like I said, I'm in sales, Justin's in sales, but I've closed many deals that most people be like, yo, you just made that sale. You're set. You're chilling. Yo, what are you doing now? And I, after every sale, I'm like, all right, cool. I was, I was supposed to do that. Yeah. On to, on the, to next. the next, on to the next. Cause like you can't get complacent. You can't, yeah. You can't get complacent. You can't get like, yeah. you can't sit like, Oh, I just closed that deal. I just got this business. You know, it's going to make X amount. All right. That's great. And all, but 
that's that's for right now. What's what's the next move? Because if you're not if you're not continuously moving, continually make moves, you're gonna be back of the line, and you're not gonna be doing mm-hmm. anything. You're gonna be looking back like, damn, that hundred thousand dollars was sick when I made it. Now I'm not doing anything else. Uh, a mentor of mine, Andy Frisell. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. Absolutely, oh, I love, love him. Love, love Andy. Frisella. The MF CEO podcast is one of my love favorite. Andy Frisell. I've been to I've been to two summer smashes. Um, I've, I've I've been a I've been a faithful follower of the Frisella Church of of, of 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 fuck you get your shit together for five plus years. Um, I, I just feel like a connection with him on, on multiple, like you said, on multiple levels. I feel like me and him would be best fucking best fucking friends. The shit that he's into, the money he makes, the the money. If I made that money, that I would buy by the same shit that he's buying. Like, <laughs> he he he. It was one of my aha moments. He described it very, very, very uh, accurately. He said, you need to have aggressive patience. And at first, I'm like, that's an oxymoron. Like, that doesn't mean like aggressive patience. Like, hurry up and wait. And, and essentially, yeah, so you got to be aggressive on your goals, but you got to be patient when uh, to achieve those goals. And when something great comes along, all the greats, every single one of the greats enjoys it. He, he has a 24-hour rule, right? You hit a milestone, you have a massive success, you close an account, you, you, you whatever it may be uh, of, of, of financial value, mental, uh, physical, emotional, you achieve something massively successful, you got 24 hours to celebrate. After that, it's back to fucking work, boys. Yeah, man. Cool. But yesterday's done. Yep. It reminds me of like a, I think it was an old commercial with Emmett Smith. Maybe this year, I'll take a little time off. There, that was refreshing. All men are created equal. Some just work harder in the preseason. Or something along mm-hmm. the lines of putting the work in early, not at the time you should be doing it. And it makes total sense. Like, oh yeah, it, look it, at it, like look at LeBron James, uh, Kobe Bryant. May he rest in peace. Michael Jordan. All these, all these guys. I'm a basketball guy, so I, I cater, I lean towards them. But champion, win a championship, celebrate one. The second day, back in the gym. Yeah, back in the gym grinding. And I like what you said before about you know putting in the work, putting in the work, putting in the work, and just being patient. And eventually, you're going to reap the rewards. I I think of it like farming. Okay, let's say you have a big plot of land and you want to grow tobacco. We're talking about cigars. You want to grow tobacco, right? You plant the seed, okay? You don't have a tobacco plant. You water it. You don't have a tobacco plant. Water for a week. Don't have it. Two weeks, a month, three months. You got to cater. You have to nurse that plant. Yeah, you have aggressive patience. Right? Nurse it every single day. And and put the work in. Put the work in. And not reap any of the rewards. You You can't harvest it yet. You have to put work in and work in and work in and work in. And then eventually you have a tobacco plant and now you can harvest the whole fucking field. I mean, and Mike's a a great example of that. It's you kind of got to eat shit for a long, like you speak of Andy Frisilla. Like he speaks a lot about his, his um, first form company. Like he said, like for the first five years, he made zero money. The next five years, he made like $750 a year or a month. He made like 50 grand in like, 50 grand in 10 years total yeah total and, and <laughs> yeah. now he's on top of the world and most people don't and it's and it's not and it's not saying it's it's easy it's hard it's hard to uh, conceptualize like you got to eat shit for a long time if you want to be in the position that you strive to be you see other people and say damn i wish i had that mm-hmm. people just see the front 
uh, you know, the, 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 the end result. They don't see what the It time... happened overnight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that... It takes 20 years to be an overnight success, right? Exactly. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Must be really free. I love nice. what Andy says in one of his podcasts. He says, uh, everybody's got two voices in their head, a bitch voice and a boss voice. Mm-hmm. Which voice is going to control you? Yeah. He said uh, that I, once. He... I was running. I'm like, uh, he said that. And I was on the last mile. And he and that thing just came on. I'm like, motherfucker. All right, I know boss bitch. Come on, go, I know bitch. go, go. You ain't no bitch. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the same mentality I use. I use in my daily life, man. Like, like my 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 mantra is one percent better every day. Just win the day. Just win the day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we often get get tied up. The best the best analogy I like to to result by this. And I tell my whenever I'm saying these things, you know, a lot of people think that I'm. Oh, this all enlightened wise one, and I'm bestowing information. Although that may be true, and I'm 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 bringing this information to people who have maybe have heard it or haven't heard it, but heard it, and this time it clicked because you know a lot of times you got to hear things multiple times. I tell them over and over. I say these things on my social media to you guys. I'm giving you the vulnerability, the truth, all these things because I need to hear it just as much as you. I need to hear it just as much as you. So whenever I tell you guys, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a fucking time. We have these goals, the elephant in the room. We have these goals. I want to, I want to be worth a hundred mil guys. I'm not going to bullshit you right now. I want to be worth a hundred mil right now. I want to speak across the country. I want to, I want to, I want to enrich the lives of millions of people. I want to speak on stages from California to New York to Florida. I want to help as many people as possible. I want to fly across the country. I want to do all that while also raising a fucking badass family, some savage servants, some badass boys, some (laughs) smart, uh, resilient, badass girls. I want to raise and leave a legacy for these kids. I want to do these things. But if I get so caught up in the end picture and the end result and I and where I am right now, it'll be so discouraging that I often will want to quit. And sometimes a lot of people, they'll end up quitting, which is the whole purpose behind the rags to riches. I started rags to riches a year or so back um, whenever I was on the bottom again for the fourth or fifth time. Hell, I can't remember and the reason why I did it is because I loved Andy Frisella. I loved him. He's my number one mentor in my mind. And I have a lot of good ones. I was in the MDK project uh, class 007 in February out in California with Bejo Schooling and Ray Cash Care and uh, Steve Eckert, those boys out there. And they're doing a phenomenal, phenomenal thing, phenomenal job. I love the MDK project. I, I, I think every single man who, who wants to ever have anything in life, they should definitely attempt it. And I say attempt it because motherfuckers are not as strong as they think they are. I'm telling you, we started with 18. We finished with eight. Right. What is the, so every, what is the MDK project? The, so the MDK project is a modern day night project. It's a 75 hour course. Okay, and, and without going into too too much depth, I don't want to. First of all, I don't, I don't know what exactly I can say, and, and, but what exactly I, I don't want to ruin it for p- people who are potentially uh, invested in. It. You have to make a significant a monetary um, uh, agreement, so so it costs money, right? And that's what a lot of people trips up a lot. Of people, oh, I don't have that much money. Well, how bad do you want to change your life? If you want to change your fucking life, then you need to do this. Well, if you need to do this, what's it going to take? You need to figure out a fucking way. And being resourceful is the number one thing that people can have. And they don't understand that. They, they want it gave to them. There's no value when someone gives you shit. So you got to be resourceful first off. You got to have the monetary amount. And I think it just went up, but it was 12 grand 
It's 12 grand for 75 hours, whether you fucking pass or they give you a plane ticket and you get your ass back home. And it is what every man should go through. You guys check it out. MDK project underscore one on Instagram. Uh, Steve Ecker and Ray Cashcare, the uh, Navy SEAL, uh, SWAT team, CIA, uh, Marine, uh, Bedros, uh, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and uh, MMA champion. And those five guys, for 75 hours, put you through rigorous, mentally, physically, emotional tasks to break you down and let you figure out who's going to win, that bitch voice or that beast voice. And for 75 hours, you're put through absolute fucking hell. Damn. I think we slept maybe three and a half hours in three days, four days. Uh, just just team building exercises, locking arms. We're doing push-ups in the fucking ocean. It's damn 40 degrees outside. We're in ice baths for five minutes. We're jumping out. It's three o'clock in the morning. We're doing a mile of army crawls through a, a, a jagged field full of rocks. And, I mean, cutting our shit up. Mental mind fucks, adversity. Adversity will build a man or break a bitch. Wow. And that's what it is. And, 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 it, and, it, and it cultivates that mentality that you must have to be a savage servant. And I think every man should attempt to go through the MDK project. There's only been, there's only been seven classes. The eighth class, I believe, is in five days. And those, those men are men of massive fucking value. Ray. Me and Ray connected on a, on a level, probably more than most of the ones out there. Me and Bedros, um, just so 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 humble and so driven. And 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 what I love most coming from a life of of traumatic events in my life, trauma. A lot of guys they don't like talking about trauma because it's not manly, right? It's it's tough to hold your feelings in and just fucking you know just just take it out on your friends and family because that's what so society makes you feel like. And they cultivate a, a mentality, every single one of them, about vulnerability. I mean, I mean, they were open with all of their trials and tribulations and the shit they've been through. And that broke these people down and we can actually mesh. Once, we, we, so they, they have a saying out there called, uh, the old saying is, is blood is thicker than water, right? People think that that means family is closer than friends, but it's not that that's not the same. Um, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, meaning you have a connection with people who you have went through shit with and battle with and, and, and just, just adversity with that is greater than just sharing a womb with us, with a, with a sibling. So the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. The people who you go through hell with and come out with on the other side, that bond is great. And that's what it does. It cultivates that bond, not, not just between you and the instructors, but you and your classmates as well. And it's just a network of savage service. And wow. every every single class that passes by, it just adds a small, minute amount of high achieving, high quality individuals into this small group that continues to grow, that spreads out across the entire country, even in some other countries, that is a, a, a market, a hotbed of entrepreneurs, um, everything, athletes, you name it, of high achieving individuals on multiple levels of life that now you are a part of and you can tap into, not just for financial gain, but for spiritual, for emotional, the four Fs you work on, faith, family, fitness, and finances. Mm -hmm. And we have check-ins and these men hold you accountable. They hold you accountable so you can grow in those four areas to be a savage motherfucker for you and your family. I love it. I love it. The yeah. four four pillars of life. Yeah. I mean, we when we had Ray on, I mean, 
obviously that's a reference from Ray Cash, but when he when we had him on here, I mean, I could see the passion and you know and just the drive that you have, and that was the same thing that he had. Like after we finished spoken to him, we wanted to freaking run through a wall. Like we were just <laughs> so amped up. We're like, let's fucking go! I mean, that was cra- he's crazy. So I can only imagine how that program is because that is that's yep. super wild. Man, I'm like I'm I'm re- I'm like ready I'm ready to run through a, f- a fucking wall. Uh, well, like just listen to all that stuff. I'm like uh, you, got it, you know what's interesting is that you know he's talking about it and he's saying like all right, seventy five hours you get three and a half hours of sleep, whatever. And as you're talking about it, and I'll be honest with everybody that's listening and watching, it's it's it scared me. It scares me. I'm listening. I'm listening to. Him, I'm like shit. Like that's that's some scary. Sh-. Like honestly, genuinely scares me. But that's good. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's. If you can't, because obviously I'm sure it scared the shit out of you when you first went there, right? Like it's yeah. supposed to, but it teaches you face your, like fear is face everything and rise, mm-hmm. right? Right. Face your fear and get it fucking done. Yeah. I mean, watching the reason I got, the reason why I got on, turned on to Ray Cash, because I watched the, uh, the selection and man, I was like, I was trying to put myself in those shoes. Like, man, could I do that? Like, I feel like maybe I could do it i go i would like to see how far i could push myself to get you know towards the end if i finish it or not but just to to learn the lessons and and just see to put yourself in that situation and put yourself in that environment to see what type of person you really are it is i'm sure that yeah, that's the, it the outer body experience is probably unreal from and he uh bedros is, is a phenomenal leader and a phenomenal man and, and just a great great mentor he always said his men are like German shepherds. If, they, if you don't have a purpose, right, you start self-sabotaging. You start digging holes. Uh, a German shepherd, if you put him in a cage and he doesn't have a purpose, doesn't have a family to protect, doesn't have something to do, he'll start digging holes to keep himself occupied. If, if a man, if you don't have a purpose, you will start digging holes in your own life and start self-sabotaging your own life because you don't have a purpose that you fulfill. And that resonated so much with me because the MDK project was dripped on me four, five, six times. I actually reached reached out to them and and, and just didn't didn't return the the out. They reached back out to me probably four or five months earlier, and I just it's like I just I let my ego. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous. I, just to stop, just stop, just stop. And a lot of times that's what we do in life. And it just kept dripping, kept dripping. And and, and uh, like Justin said, God puts you where you need to be. Because we're, a lot of times we're so fucking stubborn that we think we know the direction to where we need to be. So God says, God laughs, right? And then he puts us where we need to be in the shit storm that we need to be in. <laughs> why? And, we, and we, we often look at that, right? This is funny. We often look at it. It's like, God, why is this happening to me? Oh, I'm, you know, just, this, is, this is awful. But it had to happen to cultivate the person that you had to become to be able to have the life that he knows that you want to have. You Absolutely. can't become that. You can't have the life that you want to have with the same mindset that you've got. Well, how do you change that mindset? Go through some hard shit. Yeah. Go through some hard shit. Yeah. You want to be a hard motherfucker? Go through some hard shit. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. He, he kept pushing. He kept pushing. And finally I said, fuck it. Fuck it. Hey, Bedros, I want to come out there and do the, the MDK project. I said, I reached out and I hadn't heard nothing back. And he said, well, hold the fuck on. And it was less than five minutes and Ray called me up. I am so sorry. I got a phone call from the big man. He said, I, he said, and I am going to get in some big time trouble. I apologize for not returning your call faster. And he, and he talked to me and he, and he ran me through this little gauntlet. And he said, when he dropped the 12 grand, I was like, Oh fuck, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's like, he said, but how, how much do you want to change your life? And, and that's what I just wish I could just, if I can give the younger generation or even people just wanting to change their fucking life, any, any information or any wisdom whatsoever from, from rags to riches, uh, from where I currently am in life is invest in yourself. And if you don't have the money, find the fucking money because it is worth its weight in gold and it will come back tenfold. Like I told you guys, since I've came back from the MDK project, dude, my, my marriage has gotten better. My communication has gotten better. My attention to detail has gotten better. Uh, my network has become stronger. Opportunities are continuing to open up for me. My finances, I've had the best two weeks of my, of my, uh, entire, uh, entrepreneurship, uh, uh, Two, two weeks ago, I think I bought myself a Louis Vuitton. I'm not sure if you guys, how, how far you stalked me or not. I bought myself a Louis Vuitton um, brief, uh, duffel bag. It don't mean a lot to some people, but it meant a lot to me. As a, as a kid growing up, I love Louis Vuitton. I thought it was the epitome of success and class and elegance. I said, damn it, I want to buy me a Louis Vuitton bag. Um, and I said, when I hit a milestone, I'm going to hit it. And I made 40000 uh, three weeks ago, I made $40,000 in one week. And I said, fuck it, I'm gonna buy me a bag. The bag was two grand. It wasn't a lot, but, but it was, um, in, in my, it was my congratulations. Now get your ass in gear. Let's go to the next level. And, and I, I credit all that to sharpening and giving myself a purpose because I was successful. Uh, but I wasn't successful as I could be. Uh, I didn't have, I didn't have sports teams to drive me no more. I had no reason to work out that extra, that extra uh, time in the gym. Hell, I had reasons to not go to the gym. I'm running companies. I've got two kids. I've got a wife. I've got a mortgage. You know, I'm busy. I've got all these reasons to not level up in my life, but yet I feel a need for something more. I, I, I am a, a German shepherd digging holes and I start self-sabotaging myself in multiple areas. My relationship, I start picking fights with my wife. I start looking for reasons why she's wrong and I'm right. I start uh, trying to uh, uh, um, basically navigate my ego back and forth communication with my ego uh, of telling me, don't do this because it's something new. It's something uncomfortable and you've got to push through. You've got to invest into yourself and you've got to find purpose. Cause if you're not purpose driven, you'll drive yourself insane money. I thought money was, was a root. Oh man, I could chase the money. Don't ever fucking chase the money. Young guys flossing is boss. Like, like, like I'm at a point now in my life where, you know, I got a, a beautiful quarter million dollar home. Uh, I, my wife stays at home. She's, she, she's an amazing mother to our children. You know, I've got my, my, my jacked up 350 Larry out in the driveway. I bought a brand new Cadillac Escalade paid for it in cash. I bought a brand new Lincoln Navigator paid for it for my wife. You know, the, the 18 year old, the 16 year old me, like I'm big time. Like I'm big timers. Like I'm, I'm getting my roll on. Getting I'm roll stuck. on. I'm yeah. Shining. Right. I got the big boys in the front. Get your like, mother this, effing roll on. That's it. That's it. In my mind, I'm like, I'm stunned. But I'm also at a point in my life now where that percentage of money that I spent on myself and my family is so much smaller to the amount of money that I got coming in, which is which is in, uh, incrementally important. And it just shows that there's dividends in investing in yourself mm -hmm. in every area of life. Find a mentor that you can invest in, be around, be like someone who's a great father. I, I got to give a shout out to Sal Frisella. Um, I love Andy. Andy's my guy too. But Sal Frisella, I has a has a place in my heart 
um, because he is an amazing father. And I'll tell you boys, like I'll tell anybody else, I've accomplished a lot of shit in my life. I, I, I've won uh, uh, SoCon championship. I've got championship rings from college football. I've had knockouts. I've five and MMA. I've made millions of dollars. I've had, uh, you know, cars, houses. I've went these places. I've did these things. I've spoken in front of people. All these things are amazing. And I do love those things and they're awesome, but nothing compares to being a father. And I, and I love my children so incredibly much. I oftentimes tell anybody who's talking to me, they're the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's the most important, impressive thing that I can ever acclaim because that person, that little bitty thing right there, I am cultivating that person to be an asset to society. I am, I am cultivating their life and to know that they depend on me for a stable, structured uh, uh, paradigm from, from a life that they don't have to heal from to, to, to be able to just give life everything they fucking got is the greatest reward to me that I could ever have. Amen. Amen. Bro. Yeah. yeah. Amen, amen to amen, that. Amen. On I've that. heard that. I've heard that a number of times. And I, I've said that too, is I, I can't wait to be a father. I can wait, but I can't wait. Mm -hmm. If you, if you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. right? Like I can wait to be a father, but I can't wait to be a father For because sure. I know that it, it, everything just, everything just basically takes a step down and being a father is replaces at the top. Mm -hmm. It okay. is. It is. And, and all of a sudden, the things that matter before. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'll be 31 in two weeks. I'll be third. Oh, I'll be Happy early birthday. Let me be the first one to, act, to say that. <laughs> Let's Thank go. you. Thank you Let's very go. much. Thank you. Well, what about you, Eric? How old are you? And I'll be, uh, I'll be 30 in July. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. So you guys are still, I still got some, I got some years on you. I, I turned 34 in January. So, you know, you guys are, you know, right whenever I started hitting my stride, 29, 30, um, I became a father for the first time at 20. Seven, because my daughter will be six this year. But my son was born, um, so he'll be he will be three in uh, December, December thirteenth. And I'm sharing this now publicly for the first time. Whenever you guys air this, I'm sure we'll have we'll have we we'll have talked about this. But we recently found out by the grace of good Lord, and, and obviously it was a tremendous accident. But I'm, uh, it's a happy accident. I'm grateful for it. No accidents. It was all purposefully driven. Uh, we're Rob Ross, happy accident. <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're expecting a growth in our family. And um, so I, I was super excited. My wife, uh, she came out. I was doing I was doing my invoices on the patio on the back porch, smoking a stogie, drinking some bourbon. I'm like living it up. It's a Tuesday. Uh, and it's grateful. The sun's setting. I'm living my life. I'm, I'm finally at a position in my life where, you know, I can for, for, for a small period of time, I can relax a little bit and enjoy the fruits of my labor. And, you know, while continually growing and helping my family live the life that we want to live. And she comes out to me, she says, you got a package out front. Well, you know, in the society we live in today, sometimes you order something, you forget what you even order. Yeah. I'm like, what did, I, what did I order? And I just kept going and about 10 minutes past, she goes, you need to go get that package. I was like, mama, I'll get it. I'll get it in a second. Hang on. She said, go get that package. I was like, oh my God, why is she tripping over this package? <laughs> uh, so I ran outside and got it and it was a box. It was like a normal box from Amazon, nothing special. I opened it up. And there's all these things in there uh, that kind of, I was like, what the hell is this? All these like little trinkets and little crinkly paper. And I looked down, I seen a coffee mug and it said, baby number three. Dude, I busted out laughing. I started laughing so hard because <laughs> we, we weren't trying. We weren't, we were, you know, we weren't proactively you know, stopping it, but we weren't trying. And so it was a great, great uh, surprise for me and my wife. We're expecting on the, in November. So then last week um, they're doing the you know the whole COVID visiting uh, stuff, uh, 
And so I'm having to FaceTime with her while she's at her first appointment. And she, they, they throw it up on, on the screen and we're looking at it. And the first thing I, I'm on speakerphone and I said, what the fuck is that? Because, <laughs> I looked, because what I saw was what I thought was two sacks. Right. And it was dead silence. She didn't say nothing. The doctor didn't say nothing. I was like, guys, what's, I was like, Hey, what's going on? Nothing. And I said, somebody better tell me something what's going on. <laughs> And the and the doctor the, uh, the the lady who was doing the ultrasound she starts laughing, and then I hear my wife she goes, "Is it twins?" And she goes, "Yeah, girl." And I said, "Oh my <laughs> god, we're having yeah, yeah buddy, like, no way." Cheers no to that, way. man! Congratulations, yeah, congratulations yeah. on two more. Thank you. Thank you, two warriors, two warriors. Love it. So so you know it's been a blessing. Oh, it's been a blessing, and, and, and you know it's a it's another obstacle, you know because. Like I said, with anything else, and, and, and you know, we often look at times at our parents. When we think they know what's going on. We have no clue. Like we've never had two, uh, excuse me, four kids before. So this is all new to us, and and it's it's super exciting. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm I'm a little I'm a little nervous. I'm scared. I mean, because four kids, two kids is a lot. My little son, he's two years old. He broke his arm three days ago. We were at the hospital. <laughs> we were at the hospital two days ago, and he had emergency surgery. He walked in front of his sister, swinging on the swing set, and just snapped his arm right into. Doesn't surprise me a bit because that dude is wild. Like he is <laughs> the wildest two year old ever. And I love him to death, but man, I'm like, man, if this is this crazy with two kids, Lord in heaven above, I'm going to need to really get on my grind and really have some passive income coming in and hire a nanny to help us get these four corralled because two at one time, it's not just, hey, baby, it's your turn. It's you get one, I'll get the other. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Well, congratulations, man. That's crazy, exciting. Beautiful news to hear. I mean, that's that's a that's one of a kind story, and thank you for sharing that with us. We appreciate. Thank that. you, guys. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. And I think uh, I think that's a good note to leave that on. I mean, that's kind of a high note. Yeah, I, I think so. All right. Per- <laughs> I mean, that's I mean that's that is that is awesome. I mean, so you know, we just want to say thank you. First of all, we're saying you know, congratulations and God bless to to you and your family. Congratulations on the two on the two new newbies coming in, the two new additions. Uh, we want to say thank you very much for for taking the time to join us here on the Burnout Podcast. We had a blast. We were just being sponges and soaking up all the knowledge that you were dropping. We appreciate you with all the stories, all the motivation that you've been granting on our listeners and our, our viewers. So we really appreciate you, Michael. Thank you very much for joining us here. Guys, I, I appreciate you so much. It has been an honor to be on the Burnout Podcast with you guys. Uh, talking about you know things that we love, business, life, entrepreneurship, and, and and most importantly, just just amazing sticks and and how that cultivates into all those areas of our life. So I am grateful for you guys big time so much. I wish you nothing but continued success. And I, if I could ever provide any value in you guys' life at all, please reach out to me. Will do, man. We appreciate it. It's been a great time with you once again, Michael. Thank you so much, and congratulations. Salute, my guys. Salute. Salute.